Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in pints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me is nobody, because this is just an intro to what's going to happen. So Academy Rewind, uh, one of our other Thought Bubble audio shows, took a bit of a hiatus, but it is coming back, baby, at the beginning of July, July 1st, as a matter of fact. We will be reviewing the Sevens decade, so that's 2017, 2007, 1997, so on and so forth. Uh, And so in honor of such event, we are giving you a look back at one of our most popular episodes, the 1998 episode, Best Picture Nominees. So the films that Palmer and I talk about in this episode will be As Good As It Gets, Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, The Full Monty, and of course the 1998 winner, Titanic. And so if you like what you hear on this episode, head over on July 1st to Academy Rewind, and you can listen to us talk about the 2017 winner, La La Land. No, just kidding. It was Moonlight. I know that. Everybody knows that now. We'll never forget it. And so, without further ado, here is Academy Rewind, Palmer and Tim, talking about the 1998 Best Picture nominees. Cheers. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast taking a look back at the Oscar nominees from years past. I am Tim, and with me, as always, is the 1998 unsinkable Palmer. How are you today? I'm good. That that second take is much better than the first take. Wasn't it a better <laughs> – wasn't it better? You were offended when the first one when I called you uh, – Good. <laughs> what I called you the confidential Palmer. Yeah, I, I still maintain that the unsinkable thing is a fat joke at my expense. Mm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that it's not. I think you would sink right to the bottom. <laughs> um, and and I, I think a uh, I think a very large person would would be more buoyant. Uh, <laughs> Truthfully. So, so I'm I'm dense is essentially you're dense. Yeah. Yes, I I think if anybody who's been listening to the show can agree on anything is that you are dense. That is correct. <laughs> um, yes, this is the second take because my cat decided to jump up on the keyboard and delete half of what we had recorded. So and we were right at the end too. 
I know we were right about to tell you the winner for nineteen. We were nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> so anyway, so so we're taking a look back at the Oscar nominees for Best Picture in nineteen ninety eight. They are Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, The Full Monty, As Good as It Gets, and Titanic. Yes, yes. As we all know, I the think winner is The Full Monty. The Titanic. Oh, okay, is the winner. Well. Not the real Titanic. I, I went That's to, definitely a loser. Yeah, it, it it finished second place between the race between it and the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> the ocean or the iceberg? Well, the, the iceberg was the obstacle. Oh, I see. I see. You know, they did some, uh, you know, recent recent uh, tests and theories show that if they had just actually rammed Struck the iceberg, it, yeah. then it would have survived. Yep. Yeah. But that goes against your instinct. Like, yeah, you want no to one ever sees the like way. the no one ever sees like the crash coming and going. I should go head on into. This. I should just because that'll be better for my right. health. Yeah, I agree. Oh well, we don't know anybody. It's okay. Yeah. Um. So Titanic. Titanic is the like the epitome for me of like uh, best picture winner. You know, this is like when I think is when I first started noticing. Best Picture winner, like the Oscars when I was a kid. Yes. And stuff like that. Like, what does it, what is not really, yeah, well, I guess I was a kid. Um, what it, what it really means to, to be and take to be a Best Picture. And this was probably the last time, like, the obvious most popular movie won the Academy Award. Like, uh, Oscar- I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Really? No, okay. I wouldn't say I that. I can't think of a, I can't think of one since then. Well, you don't like it. Um, but I, I'm going to say 2000's Gladiator. Is kind of counted in that because um, that's a crowd that's a crowd pleasing movie. Okay, maybe, but I mean, like this movie, for all accounts, like if this movie happens today, does it still win the Academy Award? Because, um, like, for the longest time, it was the it was the biggest money maker of all. You time. know, I'm going to say after Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. Return, I'm going to say that's the last time. I keep telling you. Just because you love Lord of the Rings. Millions of people. Nobody else does. Millions of people love. I hate love, to break that news Millions of people love Lord of the Rings. Uh, they're all these, these, all these fictional people that well, you've created listen, in your mind. Listen, Mr. Contrarian, just because you don't like it doesn't mean that other people in the world don't like it either. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be a contrarian. I don't know. I would be the contrarian in this case, and that goes you against are. that goes against everything <laughs> that goes against everything that you are. It goes against my entire being. Look, if they make Funko Pops about it, people like it. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the, and they're in their second wave of Funko Pops. They've already made Lord of the Rings, and yeah, they're, they're going to be on their second wave of Golden Girls. You really want to? Uh... No, and people love Golden <laughs> Girls. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Anyway, we're here to talk about other movies. Yes. Yes. Can't wait to yell at you about Lord of the Rings for three oh, episodes. Yeah, I was say, three episodes <laughs> is what I have to look forward to. I can't wait. All right. So uh, let's start with let's start with Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Directed by Gus Van Sant. Yep. Written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Mini Driver, Robin Williams, and Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, I I do love the fact that there's no proof to you calling him Stellingrod earlier. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't call anybody anything earlier. You shut your face. Um, and so Goodwill Hunting is about a man played by Matt Damon, uh, Will Hunting. He's a who's a good man. Yeah, living I in a good year. Uh, and he is a yeah, he's a genius. Uh, he's working, but he's working as a janitor at MIT because he's pretty uninterested in doing geniusy things. Um, he's great. He loves reading, and he loves kind of showing off that way. Um, but he's not, he's not about the academic lifestyle. 
Right. It's not it's not what he's looking it's not what he's into. But one thing leads to another and uh and he kind of fall, and he kind of falls into this um MIT he kind of falls into this MIT life uh and by doing so he also has to see a psychiatrist as part of his court order cuz he's kind of in and out of jail and all that stuff. Uh, and so that's and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the movie. It's a, his coming his coming of age. This kid from Boston is coming of age story. Yes, this kid from Southie, Southie, that which was, is South Boston, which is South Boston. Very good, very good. You know your geog- your local geography. I do. Um, you know, the peep behind the curtain. Cat is playing around the mixing board, <laughs> and we're both very nervous about what's going to happen next. Yes, because I don't want to have to do this a third time. Yeah. It's like we we get to this exact <laughs> spot and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're gonna." Need I don't to start think he over. liked Goodwill Hunting. He's the worst producer in the world. <laughs> he's like, "I'm sorry, this is all crap. You have to do it again." It's because I mean, at least at least our regular producer just thinks that stuff and doesn't, doesn't say, doesn't say like, anything. I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna go with what I have. Hi, Frank. Um, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, he's the worst. It's because you don't like Lord of the Rings, and his his name is Tolkien. That's that's but actually wasn't, like I mean, you changed his name. Yeah, his name was Lex Luthor. Yes, when I adopted him. But that's a weird name to yell out lovingly. <laughs> I can't do it. I have too much comic bias. <laughs> um, All right, so Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill um, Hunting. Um, it's a it's a movie. Yeah. That I love. I'm just yeah. it's like a setup. No, it, it's good. This, I had not seen this movie until pretty recently, last couple of years. I had seen bits of it, yeah. Um, but I had not, um, for whatever reason, I had I had kind of not sat down and watched it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when it first came out. Now that I think about it, um, but doesn't matter. Okay. I love this movie. I watch it a couple times a year. Yeah. Um, I think it's an extraordinarily well executed film from top to bottom. Except for the except for the music, um, Danny Elfman's music is odd to me in this film. It has yeah. like it has uh, like a, um, ethereal quality, mm-hmm. and it, it like creates kind of like this dream kind of haze over everything. But it, it sometimes it feels like it do, it doesn't match the film. Sometimes it does, and then sometimes it just it feels out of place, a little too discordant. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I like the music and I always forget that it's Danny Elfman ex- until I see his name. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Danny Elfman. No, really. Um, no, you're right. It it doesn't sound like him. It has a Gus Van Sant quality. Yes. But it doesn't have a Danny Elfman. It, yeah. It doesn't have a Danny Elfman. Right. Um, and so, but I'm not sure if that's the, I'm not sure if that's the best thing for the film right though i don't think it distracts from the film i just don't think it's the best thing for the film um so two two problems with this movie um you do like this movie i do like this movie i really like this movie um you know ben affleck is one of my favorite actors Mm -hmm. um he's so good in this he is he's he's awesome Um, i mean everybody's awesome in it yes one of the things that I, I found popping up this year in these movies oh, because yeah, you had texted this to me. Yeah, yeah. Like I like this movie is so this year is so stacked. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I liked all of these films. And any other year that Titanic doesn't come out, any one of these films could win in the Academy's eyes. Yep. Um, but the like one odd thing that I kept, I kept seeing popping up is there always seemed to be a character no matter how important they try and make the character 
even if he's the driving force of the movie, the character feels out of place in the rest of the movie. And and okay. in this movie, for me, it's Stellan Skarsgård. Now, so I don't, I, I still don't understand exactly what you mean by, I still really don't understand exactly what you mean by that. Like you have, you have very obvious problems in the movie. Not, not technically. I'm just talking about like plot. in the story, plot problems. And by plot problems, you mean like the problem the character faces, right? Okay. So conflicts. you have you have conflicts. Yeah, you have um, you have Goodwill Hunting. Who, his name is Will, not no, Goodwill. His, it's Goodwill. <laughs> um, you have him. Who, Do you think there's an alternate version of this movie <laughs> where people are just dumpster diving and they're like Goodwill yeah, hunting? You yeah. know, they're just like get the books actually, in the free book it's donation a bin. Show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have Will who who has to learn to open up. He is very closed off. Like he has his friends, but that's it. Like he doesn't. He doesn't have any other meaningful relationships in his life. Sure. And he doesn't have any real sense of where he's going. And right. Some of that is some of that is his childhood. Yep. Um so you have you have that conflict to resolve. Yeah. You have the conflict of this psychiatrist who is for other reasons is closing himself off to the rest of the world. Yep. And they're kind of helping each other yep. open up and and try out life, try out life again for the for the doctor. Mm-hmm. Try out life for the first time for for Will. Yeah, and then you have Selen Skarsgård, who's the vehicle for these two to meet. Yeah, and he's like he kind of moves things along, and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna find him a job. Yep, but his character seems unnecessary, and like the problems that they put on this character seem just to make him more important. Like I can't. You know, I can't live with myself now knowing there's a smarter person out there than me. Like, come on. This world obviously still had Stephen Hawking, right? Uh, maybe it doesn't. But it's not It's not smarter than him. It's smarter in this particular field. Yeah. So, like, they talk about him being, like, a Fields Medal winner, Stellan yes. uh, Skarsgård. Um, they talk, like, in a field, like, they say in the, the, Robin Williams says in the film, it's like the Nobel Prize, but just for math, right. and they only give it every four years. Yeah. So it's like, so they're like, like it kind of telling you this guy, in already is a genius. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get the Nobel Prize or the Field Medal just for being like I did some long division that one time. You know, ah, no, I haven't won yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like long division. I've been doing short division. That's my been my problem. <laughs> That's been my problem. Um. So I'm still thinking of zero as an absolute number. <laughs> um, so, in so like when you're, it's I'm kind of equating it. I mean, we're average height. We're not, you know, like right. we're. But I have a friend who's six four, mm-hmm. and so he's he's very used to just looking down at everybody yeah. because everyone is shorter than him. Um, and so when he meets somebody who his it's his own height or taller. He has no idea what to do with himself. He gets so uncomfortable because it's just not the status quo. He has right. n- he doesn't know what to do. And so now you've come across a guy. So now Stellan Skarsgård has come across a guy who is that like foot taller than him, mm-hmm. you know. And on top of that, he's not even trying, you know. Right. He's he's a kid. Like they're separated by decades. Yeah. Um. And, and so. I def so I understand his position. I know what you mean by maybe like you could maybe like the court sets up 
the de- yes, like because the he's deal. an underage. He's an underage person. He no, he's, uh, 20. he's twenty. He's twenty. He's twenty. Right, and you can easily tell that by all the bars he goes to. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do say, they do say, in the um, um, they say. Well, you can get it twice. One, they have a. Uh, there's that time where he's like he's on the phone with Minnie Driver right. after he after his court session, kind of at the beginning of the film, and he's like, "Hey, I remember you from Juvie." Yeah, you know, so like you know he's a been to Juvie, but b you know he's too right. old for it now. Um, but the second is at the end when they get in the car because they say like, "Oh, now that you're legally yeah. you can drink." Now that you're 21, yeah, and like he's been drinking all this time in a bar. They like these these bars are was, they, was the, horrible. They are horrible, but it's the 90s, like. Like you could just walk into he, a bar. He could have had a fake ID. Yeah, I, I mean he's definitely the kind of guy to have a fake ID. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, just, I still don't understand why you think that like this Stellan Skarsgård's character doesn't belong in this film. Like his his problems. Yeah. Don't go along with the rest of the, where this movie's going. He's, yeah, he's, he's a he's a plot device, right? So. But, but it's not a plot device that seems to blend in like like it's no you but but the the idea is that that Skarsgård and Williams represent the two warring halves of Will right because Williams is like the I'm just a regular guy and I met my wife at a Red Sox game and you know like no all he that, didn't meet his wife at a Red Sox he game. met her at the bar he met her at a bar and didn't go to the Red Sox you, game that's you, not a real Red Sox fan you know what I mean. Yeah, well, clearly you take Will's side to that because yes. you've never had to go see about a girl before. It's not my fault you God. love drafts more than women, okay? Um, so so he, that's one side. Like giraffes? Giraffes, I don't know. I thought I tried to think of something weird. <laughs> um, um, that's that's Will's – that's one side of Will, though. Like I'm just a guy on the street and I'm from Southie and, you know, family is everything, blah, 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 even when we're not real family. <laughs> okay. Got yeah. Um, and then – and then the, and then the second half is the academic side of his brain, and that's Stellan Skarsgård. So, so he is necessary to the plot because they're like it, but, they are representational of the two halves of his conflict. But see, I don't, I don't think he has that conflict going on. Like he's he's very no, content he, not he's being but, the smart guy. No, he's 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 content because he thinks that. They're just going to continue on with this, like, we're going to be hanging out and we're going to raise our little kids in the thing. But as Ben Affleck says to him in the film, that's great that you want that, but it's also stupid because you actually have the opportunity to do something great for the world, for yourself, for, like, everything. Most people do not have that. Right. And and he's And he's wasting it. By thinking that not to say that, like, you can't still live there or be friends with these people or anything like that. But like his gift is important yeah, see, to I the world. I that, so you so you disagree with Will's choice at the end of the film. I don't disagree with Will's choice at the end of the film because Will decides to go after the girl. Right. Like he he like towards the end of the film will like finally gets beaten down by all these people saying you got to do this for the other people because you have the opportunity which i think is bs but he gets beaten down by it and he chooses to take this job that he's going to hate 
that he doesn't want to do. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he should have taken the job and not gone after the girl or anything like that. But I'm saying like, but but before that time, before his conversation with Ben Affleck, like he's not going to get the girl and he's not going to take the job. Like he's not going to do any of it. See, so, like that. That like, to me is the best choice. That's I don't think that's a that's not a good choice at all. Now in my in my own head canon, he drives out to California because now she's at Stanford. Stanford, um, which I always forget. Stanford's in California. I think I always think it's in New I Jersey. Thought, I thought it's Connecticut actually. There's a there's a Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah, that could be why. Yeah. So he drives out to California to go see about the girl. In my own head canon, he gets there. They reunite. He kind of like stays out there for a little bit, comes back to Boston. She comes back in the summer, and they end up living in Boston, and they end up going on the same journey he kind of was going on just with her. Now she's added into the group. I mean, that's, that's fine. Th- that's the best way to end this There's movie. nothing wrong with – I don't think there's anything wrong with him coming back or anything like that, but it would be kind of – it's just – it's just a waste of a gift and a talent because he's doing a job that a lot of people can do, mm-hmm. right? But he can do stuff that nobody else can. Right. But And so sometimes it's it's your moral obligation no. to See, do things. So I'm if you so if we're that. reading a super so if we're reading a superhero comic yeah. and Superman is one day like, I'm not gonna save everybody. Yeah, he did that. It was called grounded. Yeah. And it was terrible. No, that was a good story. No, it wasn't. And no. I, just, and he's I still... just heard Frank like hit the delete button. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the audio was bad, guys. You got to go you redo gotta, it. Gotta do the, <laughs> gotta redo this section. Um, like, but that's not that's not the status quo for him. That's one story where he goes, "I got to stop for a little while." No, I know, and but so, I but think you're, like, I think you're like you're taking ignorant. it ad absurdum. I don't think so. Like, all right, yeah, he's, he's really smart. Einstein level genius. He's not really smart. Okay, so actually, he is. People remember his name forever. Smart. I do want to. I do want to bring this up because he he seems to be very smart. Like he has, he's able to do the proofs that that Stellan Skarsgård puts on the on the board. Yep. And you see him in the movie. He does reading, and then even at the bar um, when he first meets Minnie Driver. And he's kind of he kind of steps in when the guy's running down Ben Affleck. Yeah, that um, part's great. I love. That I part love that movie. part. But obviously, he's well read. Like he's very well read. The question I have for you mm-hmm. is: This an instance of he's really smart and he's just naturally adept at math? Because there are people out there like that. Yep. Or like Minnie Driver says, does he just have a photographic memory? Like, is he able to read this stuff and just remember it? Uh, no, because he's. Because the point of that conversation with the the point of that conversation with that guy in the bar, yeah. the blonde haired ponytail guy, is that that guy is just spouting out what he's read, right, and heard. It's not original thinking, right. And so, what Matt Damon does, what Will Hunting does in the film, is original thinking. And so, like, it's not just it's not just photographic memory because yeah. that's. Because I mean, like you can do original thinking with photographic memory because you you take the information and then you right. you return it out. But he's not just like I remembered what this math proof is. I've seen it before and I'm doing right. it again. He's creating something new. But you know, it was funny that you just the, the way you worded that mm-hmm. because then you have that you have a very similar conversation between Robin Williams and Will 
when he's going on about like when he's going on on about like sonnets and yep. and this and that and like oh, he kind sure. of accuses Will of the same thing he, of just repeating something. Well, that's right. because that's because Will he's talking about something in life though because Will he's talking about life experience. That which which is different than what he would be doing in. I know the contextually world. it's different. Like I know what he's what he, what the meaning behind that conversation mm-hmm. is, but I like the fact that he's essentially calling Will on some BS that Will is probably doing on his own. Yes, he's getting he's he he's calling Will on the same thing that that other guy was doing. Right. Um. Except that that guy was using it. To pick up Mini Driver. He was doing it trying to pick up Mini Driver, but I think he was, like, ready to go out and do that professionally where, where Will, prof- like, in this professional setting, this math setting, yeah. is not doing that. Right. But, he do- but he's doing it in life. Yeah. Um, I, I really like all the actors in this movie. Um, even... Even Casey Affleck. I think this is one of the few times that I like Casey Affleck. Casey, he's so funny in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I got a burger. I I got your stupid burger. It's a double burger. It's a double burger. Yeah. Put Um, it on interest. I also... Put it on here. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get this cheeseburger like you got your couch. Renaissance style. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like the writing in this movie, and I remember there being a controversy at the time of this. Um... Because if you notice, one of the credited producers on this movie is Kevin Smith. Yep. Um, Kevin Smith helped uh, Affleck, and, uh, and not so much Matt Damon, but Affleck has a bunch of roles prior to this in Kevin, Kevin Smith movies. Well, Kevin Smith was very involved with the Weinsteins at this point. And right, because the Weinsteins gave Kevin his big break. Well, the controversy became, because Kevin Smith is an accredited producer on this, mm-hmm. people naturally assume that Kevin ghost wrote this. For Ben and Matt. Oh, really? I've never heard that before. Uh, yes, it it was a it was it wasn't like a there was never any substance to it. It was just what people assumed. It doesn't yeah. This doesn't feel like a Kevin Smith movie. Um, and it doesn't because there's very there's much less swearing. There's swearing, but much less of it. It's used when it's appropriate right. for the. It's used when it's appropriate for the emotion. Yeah, but and yeah. even since then, like Affleck's gone on to. To write other movies, yep. um, that have also gotten nominated, although he hasn't won, no. he hasn't won a writing award except for this movie. Um, and then the only well, other Academy Award he has is the producing award for Argo. Argo, yeah. Um, but like the acting is very good in this. Uh, I loved. I also like the fact that like they just made the choice decision to cast two brothers and not as brothers; they're friends. They're not fam. They're not related. They are just friends yep. who look remarkably a lot like each other. You think they look? Well, I guess they kind of look like no, one they, another. They do. Nah. I mean, that's part of. The, that might be part of the deal, though. It's not like they made the choice to. They wrote it. They're like, we're also going to star in it. Right. End of story. Yeah. You know. Um, but interesting that. Interesting that. Ben Affleck was also willing to like. From like take a backseat because Chucky's not the main, you know, he's a supporting character, right? So I wonder if I if, I don't remember if this movie came out before or after Chasing Amy. Uh, I think before. I think after. All right, because Chasing Amy is like the f- first movie that I that in my head like he's really the star. Like Mallrats, he's just a he's just a side character. 
Chasing Amy came out in 97. All right, so this came out a year before. So, like, no, he, the Goodwill Hunting came out in 98, came out in 97. They came out the same year. Oh, so there you go. So, like, Affleck wasn't a main actor at this point. Like, this movie kind of propels them both. Well, I mean, Matt Damon wasn't really a main actor before this either. Oh, yeah, no, no. That's, that's very true. This is, I mean, he was. Um, here, I got it. I got it here. Um, and then we're going to move on from this pretty quickly. Um, so. Hey, Matt Damon was in Field of Dreams. Yeah. Baseball fan at Fenway Park, uncredited. Yeah. He was in Mystic Pizza yeah. and School Ties, mm-hmm. Glory Days, Cards Under Ben Fiber. Affleck was also in School Ties, if I remember correctly. He was executive number two in Chasing Amy. Yes, he was. The Rainmaker. Oh, I forgot about The Rainmaker. The Rainmaker was before or after Good Luck? Same year. Oh, because that is a vehicle for him. Yep. So it's funny that like, they each have their own starring vehicles the same year that this movie comes mm-hmm. out. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if you know, I mean, everybody knows their story, I think, at this point. It's like two guys from two guys from Boston are friends. Yeah. They write a movie about being like being friends in Boston. They yeah. get an Oscar. It's great. It's oh, a good story. It's, it's good. Uh, and the movie's really good. Movie's great. Um, um, Robin Williams won Best Supporting Actor for his role here. Yeah. I think and deservedly I, I think, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this all, um, and, it best, and obviously Best Original Screenplay. Yes. Yeah. This movie's great. Yes. Um, I think it holds. I think it holds up too. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I never get tired of watching this movie. No, I think. I think. I was thinking so at the end of the movie where where Chucky goes to knock on the door and and Will doesn't answer. Yeah. In today's world, he would have been just take out his phone, text where you at, <laughs> or he wouldn't have got. He would have just texted him from the car. Yeah. And not gotten a response. Have been cool and drove and away. Drove off. Then Will comes aside. No, I just overslept. Yeah. <laughs> um. Great movie. Okay, moving on. L.A. Confidential. La Confidential. La Confidential. La La Confidential. No? No. No, it sounds too much like La La Land. That's what I was, that's what I was, that's, that's what I was going for. <laughs> Directed by Curtis Hansen, written by Curtis Hansen and Brian Heldland. Uh, novel by James Elroy. Starring Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito, and James Cromwell. <gasps> Whew, that's a cast. And the other half. Yeah. Um... <laughs> This is a movie about three uh, three different cops in in L.A. and how their stories converge to uh, form one kind of conspiracy. Then mm-hmm. that's I don't I don't really want to spoil oh, this I'm movie. Spoiling this movie. Oh, okay, it's it's gonna happen. Um, so one quick aside note: you know we talk about uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon being from Boston, yeah, winning the Academy Award. Uh, Brian Heglin. Oh, is that how you say it? I have no idea. That's how I'm going with it. Uh, was initially born in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, really? But lived and went to school in New Bedford. No way. Yes. Uh, he goes to college. He goes to college at UMass That's Dartmouth. Our home t- that's our hometown. Yeah. He goes People to college at know. UMass Dartmouth, and he, for a time, he's a fisherman in New Bedford. What? But he does live in New Bedford. Uh, he did live did. in New Bedford. Um, New Bedford. Yeah. Where are you wow, from? that was... Where are you from? <laughs> that, was, that one kind of slipped out. I'm usually very... Uh, You're very cautious about that. Yeah. I'm very... It's because we were talking about Goodwill hunting for so long. So, um, so he is a hometown boy, and he ends up winning an Academy Award at some point in his career. Uh, for this film, Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, that's right, because it's adapted. That's right. Yep. Um, but he also went on to write and direct one of my favorite movies of all time, Knight's Tale. 
Oh, really? Yes. Same guy. Same I would, guy. I did not know that. Yep. Nice Tales is a good movie. Oh, I it's love a lot that of movie. fun. Uh, he's also done a couple movies with uh, Clint Eastwood, and he did uh, the the Order with uh, with Heath Ledger. Pretty oh, much the same team as the Knight's Tale on HBO Go. I almost watched it last night. Actually. <laughs> Um, all right, so L.A. Confidential. What did you think? Um, I had seen, so I thought I'd never seen this movie before. Yes, that is. even though I I own it because it was like a get it for five dollars on iTunes, one of those one of those deals. Uh, and I got to a point in the film about the third act, pretty much when Guy Pierce like beats up Kim Basinger. That, beats up or, or Russell Crowe, Ru- Russell, Russell Crowe. I mean, um, uh, and I was like, I've seen this before, and then I watched the rest of it and watching this movie. Like, I've only seen the last part of this movie. <laughs> like, no wonder I knew James Cromwell was the bad guy right away. Well, because it's James Cromwell. He's not always the bad guy. No, but he wasn't. I would he wasn't the assume. bad guy in Babe Pig in the City, wasn't he? No, I don't think he was. He kept those poor animals on a farm. I don't think he was the bad guy. Yeah. Um, um, so. The the problem I I do like start, this movie. Start with the things that you like. I, you always I, go dive right into the problem because you always give it such glowing reviews that one of us has to be realistic. That's not true. You like this movie. I do like this movie. I like I, again. The acting is top notch. Like you have even David Stratham, I believe is his name. Sure, uh, the guy from uh, Good Night and Good Luck, uh, a movie I've never seen. Well, you will. Well, I will. I know. That um, seems to be our mantra. Yeah. For this. <laughs> well, your mantra, at least. Yeah. Um, I Like, everyone's just really good in this movie. Like, the set pieces work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you have Kevin Spacey doing his, like, uh, Dean Martin impersonation. And it's quite good. It is You very can good. almost see the Bobby Darren, like, oh, in yeah. him a little bit. Yeah. From... Uh, from Beyond the Sea. Beyond the Sea. Yeah. yeah. James Cromwell's good. Yes. Although... Although James Cromwell, um, to me, goes back and forth with whether or not he's, he's from supposed Ireland to be or Irish. Not. Or I, not. I agree. Like every so often, he just like throws in boyo. Yeah, like and it's, I'm like, it's, shouldn't, it's, I think it's, this be in Boston? I don't think. I th- it might be the way that he. It might just be the way that he speaks. Yeah. Because I don't think he ever drops the accent, but the but it's just because his voice is kind of like whispery. You can't really hear it. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, like a lot of the, a lot of like the background goings on of the movie actually happened. Like, obviously there was a person named Mickey Conan. Mm -hmm. Um, he went to jail. The assassination of his lieutenants Mm -hmm. did actually happen. Yep. The goon squad that kind of kidnapped, um, Gangsters that were coming into the city, yep. beat him up and then let him go you know, to get him out of the city. Mm-hmm. That actually happened. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of grounding this thing in real life, which I like. Yeah. Um, and then you have this, and then you have this story that I feel starts off so good. Like this movie is very tense. I think this it does, movie, movie does start off really well. You know, I agree. This movie is is does so good at building tension. The unfortunate thing for me is I feel like the ultimate plot when you get to the end mm-hmm. just kind of lets you down. Why? Because I like uh, it just feels like they needed something to have this twist. Mm. 
Like you needed to like they like initially when they were writing it, they were like, there's going to be a twist and it's going to be the cops or at least the or at least the James Cromwell character is going to be involved in this. And that's going to be the twist. And then they had to write a plot to go around it. And it feels like the twist is in there just for the twist's sake. Like instead of just being a straight whodunit movie, you needed to put in like this grand conspiracy that I don't think kind of fits in. Mm, I, 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 I can kind of see what I kind of see what you're talking about, but I don't. I don't know if I agree. Maybe that's because I knew going in that it was a conspiracy. Yeah. But you know what? No, I disagree because um, because um, Kevin Spacey finds that Fleur de Lis card, you know, like and one of right. his like his and like and there's that like th- it's just a tiny thread that links everything together until the end. Oh, I'm not saying that there's no link. I'm just saying like I feel the the way the movie starts off and the way the plot starts off. I would have liked a better turnout than what I got. Then, then, then the, it just being like, oh, it's it's corrupt cops. Oh, uh, well, I guess. What would you rather do? What would you do instead? Uh, I would probably play it a little bit straighter. Like take out the corrupt cops. Because I mean, other than that, like if the other than that, essentially, this story is basically who framed Roger Rabbit. It all revolves around a highway. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is so true. Yeah, that is um, so weird. And then the other thing that kind of that I kind of found odd as far as character choices is all the characters kind of they there's three distinct characters. You have yep. the you have uh you Kevin have your, Spacey. You have your rough and ready Russell Crowe. Yep. Who's the protector of women. Yep, your dapper dapper looking Kevin Spacey. Okay, that's not who I thought you were going to say, but okay, yeah, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Spacey, Spacey's who's like, who's in it for to be the famous. fame, the yep. fame of being yep. a cop, and then you have the by the book, by the numbers guy, Pierce. Yeah, very, very like important. Like awesome. I'm going to adhere to all the rules, and you should too. Yeah, and we see that at the beginning when he when he essentially like says, "Hey, these cops beat people in custody. Yep. They are not above the law." Right, um, and. All these three, all these three archetypes start out very staunch in their beliefs. Yep. And then at some point in the movie, each archetype switches to somebody else. Yeah, that's it's very clever that way. That's what I liked about it. Uh, is it clever, or is it just yeah, the characters clever. don't have enough belief in their convictions? No, I think it's clever. I think I think the movie sets up their belief well. Um, you know, like. Kevin Spacey's um, Kevin Spacey's um, relationship with Danny DeVito yep. at the at awesome. Hush at Hush Hush yep um, uh, um, Guy Pierce's um, reaction to basically everything that happens all the way through the course of the film yeah um, and then Russell Crowe's um, kind of roguish Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon kind of vibe <laughs> um, because he he brutally like every time there's a a woman in trouble it's always him and there's yeah. always like it's always this protector mm-hmm. this this protector kind of mode that he goes into and it does it a couple of times it doesn't just show it once for every character it shows all the these situations multiple times to really hammer right. this thing home and so i i think the it, the conspiracy part of it mm-hmm. is what makes them start to falter yeah. um and so 
I mean, everybody has convictions until they're until they're not important anymore or they're Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's hard for people to it's i think it's some it's hard for a lot of people to stick with them completely and they're so the way that they're written at the beginning is so um narrow in their convictions i think for them to actually be to feel like real people they actually need to break though Mm. they need to break them okay um i didn't understand the the running joke of um of uh oh god I don't need Exley. Uh no help but I don't know what you're talking about. The character Exley. Which one's that? The that if I could think of the actor's name I can't help you. I would say I've only seen he's the main once. character. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, yeah, thank you. Go. Uh I I can't figure out the running the joke of the yeah, the glasses with he, Guy Pierce. He's the I got it. I actually wrote this down. He's the only He's the only one on the force that wears glasses. Okay. So, and he's so he, he's the only good cop. So he's the only one that quote sees clearly. Okay. I like so they're so pretty much the cops are telling him take off the glasses because you're seeing the line and the the line should be blurred because okay. they all blur all right. the line that they cross that makes, and he's the that only one sense. that actually sees it. Um, that's why that's why I mean this like this movie's very clever. Oh, this movie yeah. this movie like I said like this movie's written well in and in a year that has so many good movies like i had to go above and beyond to find problems in the movies mm. otherwise this would be a, an hour episode of us just going it's great next movie it's great next movie if you want that you got to listen to beer with geeks with me and frank yeah the podcast where we love everything yes yeah even though you shouldn't that's not true um that's not true actually our guardians of the galaxy volume 2 podcast i'm pretty down on it since when Every time we've talked about this in a group, you never back me up. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Yeah. Yes, I do. No. Yes, I do. I don't think you ever. I said it's very samey and kind of boring. You mysteriously disappear whenever whenever you have to be negative. Look, I told you I ordered too many smoke bombs, (laughs) and I have to use them somehow. (laughs) Um, So, like, I do really like the writing in this movie. And there's, aside from the very ending... um, where I feel like I wish they would have had a different resolution and a couple character choices. This movie's really good, and if you haven't seen it and you like Nori... Noir. I like saying Nori. I know it's noir, noir, but just when people who say Nori because they they just think that's how it's pronounced, uh, okay. like I hate them so much. Oh, so now you say <laughs> so, it ironically. So I say it... Yeah, I say it ironically. But yeah, if you like noir movies, this is a very good movie. Um, yeah, looks great. Love this movie. Yeah. And probably... No, I would still say Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is is better than this. Mm, good movie. Um, but this is a this is a very well acted movie, even though I don't agree with Basinger winning the supporting yeah. actress. I didn't get it. Why did she win? Yeah, I need to bring this up now. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna supersede this. So, best supporting actress nominees this year were Joan Cusack for In and Out, Julianne Moore for Boogie Nights. Kim Basinger for L.A. Confidential, for which she did win. Gloria Stewart for Titanic. She was Elderly Rose. Uh, and Minnie Driver for Good Will Hunting. Yep. I don't know why Kim... Like, she's good. She's fine. But she's... I don't know why she won. I think this was a... I think this was an instance of they wanted to give her an award. And they hadn't yet. Because she's a big star back around yeah. the time of the oh, movie. Yeah. And she's a big star that's now relegated to a supporting role in this movie. Yep. So it's like, oh, look, she swallowed her pride to have this 
role that doesn't really have meat to it. It doesn't have a lot to do. That's what I mean. It doesn't really have a lot to do. Yeah. Um, like, you could take the character out. No, you can't. She's the, because the mystery involves her too much. She yeah. can't actually take but, the character I mean, out. Can't you? Can't you? Oh, I, they killed off the other one. You can't take her out. I was going to say, like, can you replace, like, instead of having two of them, because there's two that yep. we meet, can you just have that one person, but they, they do kill her off yeah, at the beginning? Which, so. which also prompts more of the investigation. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I could, I could see that. Um, Danny DeVito is really good in this movie. He's very good in this movie. Um, and he only shows up a little bit, but when he does show up, it, he, it's it's great. He's yeah. he's always good. I think the I think aesthetically, the there's there's a really nice sheen to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, even though this is a dangerous, even though this is a dangerous place, like I want to go to 1950s <laughs> LA. You know, like it just looks cool. Yeah. Um, and this didn't. <sighs> Thinking about it now, like this doesn't have the classic like um, cop noir music trope. No, it doesn't. Which I which I really like. No, um, it's it's a fun soundtrack. Yeah, um, more than anything, it's really more of a soundtrack than a yeah than a than um. No, I'm not a soundtrack. Um, I was the, I was on the wrong page. Um, this is Jerry Goldsmith score. Okay, so it's a lot of it's a lot of brass. It's like yeah, a lot of that. Um, so it's good. I, I mean, I love Jerry Goldsmith. He's one of my like most favorite forgotten composers. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, like you never like people are like, oh, John Williams, Hans Zimmer. And then the conversation stops, and you're and I'm always like. Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith's pretty great. So is James Horner. Do we want to talk about these guys? <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> well, we yeah. well we will talk about him in this podcast. Yes, we will. Um, so Jerry Goldsmith's amazing. Anyway, moving on. The Full Monty, uh, directed by Peter Catnio, written by Simon Bufoy, starring Robert Carlyle, Tom Wilkinson, Tom Wilkinson, Mark Addy, and William Snape. Not related to Severus in any particular way. Uh, this is a film about some down on their luck gentlemen from an ironworking town in England, mm-hmm. and the and they all go to the unemployment center basically every day to look for jobs because there are none. Well, one looks for a job. What Tom Wilkinson looks for a job. Everybody else is sitting around complaining about how there are no jobs, even though right. there do seem to be some jobs yes. that they just don't want to do. Uh, and so, so. Chippendales comes to town and all the women are very excited and the men get jealous. And so they hatch this scheme to raise, to do their own version of it, to get money. Yeah. That's this movie. That is this movie. Um, One of the things that I would say right off the bat is not for children. This movie feels this entire movie feels out of place in this field. I agree. This feels like an 80s movie. It does feel like an 80s movie, but it's also a foreign film, like not even because it's a British film. I know it's a foreign film because I didn't understand half of what they were saying. I know. You said that. I understood everything. There are two kinds of British accents. There's the knee-weakening, heart-melting accent that you get when you get like Mini Driver and Goodwill Hunting. I actually hate her voice and, in this man. And that that's movie. because you're a horrible human being. And then there's whatever the hell this was. Um it's uh 
it's local accents is what it's called or um uh it's region their regional accents so most british actors so when they go through when they go through school to mm-hmm. be an actor they are they used to be uh taught to lose their accent they had to they had to change their voice to become classically british right so like if you're so if you like um Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, like all these guys, that's not how they learned how to speak. That's acting school teaching them how to speak. Acting. Acting, exactly. Fingers in the air. Acting. Um, that so that's not what they would that's not what they sounded like when they were kids mm-hmm. or whatever. That's school did that to them. And so they don't do that they don't do that anymore. Um actually that they people do learn how to talk like that, but it's not like the way that like they whip it out of you, like don't write with your left hand, whip it out of you, you know? Um, so, but again, this is like, it would be like, I mean, America, um, we do it in America too. Yeah. You know like, what I mean? If like, you're from Boston, you lose that accent. You lose that accent. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's part of like the charm of your, like you create a persona around it, like, right. de, like De Niro or something like that, you know? Um, right. You, you Otherwise, you, you lose or if, it. Or if you only do movies where your guy is from New York, like De Niro. Um, well, I was thinking even um, uh, Holly Hunter is a great example of that because she has she has a, a wonderful Southern accent, and she like it's part of her it's part of her charm. Mm-hmm. Um, where, but not, but most people can't do that. They can't get away with that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's no different. Okay. Um, so yeah, this movie feels like it's an eighties movie. Um, not necessarily a bad thing. I liked no. this movie. I'd never seen it before. Um, I it was one of those movies I walked away from going. I had a good time. I don't know why you were nominated for best picture. Yeah, I can't. I can't figure it es- out either. Especially in the lineup of these other films. Yeah, like I just, I just didn't get the. Yeah, I just didn't get why. Um, Tom Wilkinson, I think, is really good in this movie. Tom Wilkinson is good in every movie. Yeah, but as we, and it's funny that we have two movies in two subsequent episodes with him. Yep. Um, and like, what good years that man had. Yeah. Um, and it's always a different character. I can't wait till like, we get to Rush Hour. <laughs> <laughs> like this one's a little bit more, you know, straight. You know, he's a very straight laced person. Yeah, he's the responsible one of the group. I think my note in this for the uh, well, let me see though. I can't. My overall uh, view of this film, I can't believe what they made Tom Wilkinson do in this yeah. movie. Um, so, but I mean, it's kind of, it's oddly heartwarming and, and fun. It can be quite funny, um, but you have to, it's a dry sense of humor. It's a British sense of humor. So if you don't have one, then you're not going to get it. Um, this movie hinges on whether or not you like the main character. If, you, if That's true. And he's... And he's just a horrible human being. Yeah, he's not great, and he's really not even great by the end. He, I find him kind he's just of naked like, at the end. The difference between him at the beginning and him at the end is he's naked. I think that, and he's nervous about it. Um, I think there's like a, um, you know I don't what? know, like there's a weird charm to him, but like just like he's barely passably likable. So, so you just you hit uh, a thing for me. You said um, he's nervous about it. Yep. He's the one who has this idea. Yeah, of course. And he's the one who's pushing all these people to do it. Yeah. And he's not nervous in the general sense of, well, I'm going to go on stage and people are going to see me naked. 
he's only nervous because there are now guys that he knows in the audience mm-hmm. that he's afraid will make fun of him. That's right. I dislike this character so much that it it kind of ruins the movie for me. Mm. Like he's he's jobless. Okay, that happens. He goes to this place to help try and help find him a job and he just kind of goofs off. His ex who's like I can get you a job, and he's like, "Oh, doing sewing for two fifty, which I I don't know around this time if two fifty was a was a lot." I want to say that it wasn't. Well, this was also in England, so I don't yeah. know what the conversion rate is. It's about it, it, you kind of almost double. So, actually, in about this time, it was minimum wage for us was five bucks. So, so this is so it's yeah. it's a little bit less. It's half of what minimum wage is in the states. Yeah. But is that normal for a starting wage? Yeah, but in, it, but in if England? you but if you double because like so if like if you spend two fifty and so even now if you spend two fifty in England you spend about five bucks here, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's just about equal. So he just didn't want that job, right? Well, Mark Addy's character didn't want the security guard job either, but he became a security guard, right? Now, granted, he gets talked into leaving it. Yeah, you know. Like it, it's yeah, it's no, weird because I, I it seems like I'm arguing both sides of the fence. Like I don't argue with Goodwill with Goodwill Hunting saying his name I'm is just not, Will Hunting. No, it's his always first Goodwill name Hunting. Is not good. <laughs> um, I don't argue with him saying I'm not going to take that job because I don't want to do it because he had another job. Like he had the job on the on the. Um, Expressway. Uh, the, con- the construction no. crew with yeah. Chucky. Right. Like he had another job. So he did. He had the choice of saying, I don't want to do that job. Sure. These guys don't have a job. You don't get the choice at that point. Yeah, I agree. And then they screw up Tom Wilkinson's job, like actual chance of having no, a real job. No, he ends job. up getting that job. Yeah, but they, but, he, but they screw him over the whole movie. And, yeah. 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 So, you know what I mean? He's he, Yeah. Um, so, like, if you don't like Robert Carlyle's character, it's going to make it very hard to like this movie. And I agree. I think that's the biggest problem. And I don't think that's Robert Carlyle's fault because he's a, he's a very good actor. I think it's the character. I don't think it's a very redeemable person. Correct. And he plays, he plays him smarmy. Yeah. So it doesn't help. It's not like, oh, he's playing him so cute. Yeah. Like, he plays the character like this character should be played. But I don't understand why you would like this character. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It was kind of fun watching Mark Addy do all of this because he's real fun in this. Yeah. Um, Mark Addy uh, played Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones. Yes. Um, he, and he also plays... Um, the friend of Guy Pearce in The Time Machine. You're correct. Uh, and <laughs> the friend of Heath Ledger in A Knight's Tale. Yay! We did it. We we connected all of the movies together. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, yeah, that was fun. This movie won best music, original or comedic score. Um, so I would comedic score. That's what it says. That's what that's what the that's what the thing is for the Oscars. So, yep. So I was wondering hmm. when we lost comedic score. One one that. Um, but two, I was wondering if some of this music was created for the film because there are a lot of popular songs in here and I wonder if they're movie original and they're popular because of the full Monty. I don't believe so. Okay, I wasn't sure and I really didn't want to do the research. Yeah. Somebody else can do it. Like, I, like, because, like, two songs that stand out to me is You Can Leave Your Hat On, which is by Tom Jones, I think. Sure. 
that might have been but I don't know enough to like I only know that because of the movie right um, and then the other well known piece of music is I think it's the entertainer which is the, like the stripper music da, that they not, play not the Scott Joplin piece no da, no no, da, 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 no da, da. what a I, weird yeah I know what you're talking yeah, about yeah when they when the band yeah. that plays it mm-hmm. um, and that I'm almost positive is not huh created for this movie interesting um, but uh, like aside from those two things, I couldn't tell you a lick of the music. I've already forgotten them, to be honest. Yeah, so doesn't matter. It won. Good, for, good on it. Yeah. It's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about right now. As good as it gets. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, what are you doing? I'm scratching. I'm yourself? getting my notes. Is, did Lassie fall down the well? No. Yes. Oh. All right. So give us get it because I'm Timmy. Give us so the Lassie would have yeah. fallen down the well. Yep. Get it. Uh, so give us the writer, the director, and the actors, and I will introduce this film after that. Oh, God. Okay, sure. As good as it gets, written and directed by James L. Brooks, also written by Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, starring Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Greg Kinnear. All right. This movie mm-hmm. is an, about an eccentric and lovable man who is very selfless and helps everyone he can, and two mean people who try and force him to change. <laughs> you really connected with Jack Nicholson oh, in this so movie, much. didn't you? <laughs> um, uh, I would say reverse that. It is a, bad, a, a very self-centered man who learns to be selfless through, the, uh, through being forced to be helpful to people by Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> I, I think you saw a completely different movie. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's it's not really it's not really Greg Kinnear that forces him to be like helpful. It's Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, it is, which is great. I loved Cuba Gooding Jr. Me in this too. Movie. He like, was I great. Wish he had I more. forgot how much I like him. Yeah, I, I wish he was in it more. So I've um this movie is good. It's not great. I think I don't love this movie as much as everyone else. Does. You know what's funny? I haven't seen this movie in so long. Yeah. And boy is this movie long. It's yeah, almost two it's almost two and a half hours. Yeah. Um Okay. But uh I don't it's a movie that is like most James L. Brooks movies, it's it's all it all hinges on the script and the cast and everything else is whatever. Yeah. Um, this movie hinges on and his trio. Bon he's normally Hunt. got a he's normally got a good trio. Okay, it's funny you brought that up. Yeah, because I feel this, and I think when I text you the whole thing about people not belonging in the movie, this was the movie I was watching oh. when I when I texted you it. I feel Greg Kinnear, mm-hmm. his character. Now, yes, it's the driving force of why they go on the road trip. It's, and, you just don't like driving forces because yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is the same thing. He's the driving force of why all these things happen. But he's happen. only in the movie to push it forward. Like, he doesn't feel some, natural some, in this movie. Some characters are there to do that. Yeah, but they should feel natural. And Greg Kinnear's character in this doesn't feel like he belongs in the rest of the movie. Okay. Okay. And at times... It feels like the only reason he's in there, aside to drive the plot forward, is to give a target for for Jack Nicholson to make gay jokes. Yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like, 
like his character doesn't have depth. Great Kinnears? Yeah. Uh, I disagree. That whole thing with his family and his, like, you know, he's, uh, well, it comes off very, very. I don't think he's set up well enough before, like, before he's attacked. Because this movie is, this movie is a vehicle for Jack Nicholson. Definitely. definitely. He's the main character. Well, sure. And I I feel like there's many ways to get where you want to go with this movie. Yeah. Without choosing this random Greg Kinnear character as the vehicle. Uh, what else could you do? Again, I'll, I want to. I, I want to. When we get to I Titanic mean, two, I want to guess who you think is. I want to guess what you say say is the vehicle before um, we get there. You could. You could just make this more of a straight. A straight romance movie. Like, this movie tries but it, to play it, with but, that trope. But it's not a straight romance movie. No, but I, I don't think, think, think it's do it. So, okay, so... So, the way that Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt really connect in this film um, is the road trip. Right? That's when she connects with him. He's already connected with her. I agree, but that... But that is an... But that's an essential part of of the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so like what else would you have them do? Uh if I could answer that, I would not be doing this podcast. I would be making money writing movies. Yeah. But doing this podcast, I get to critique other people on this. Okay, sure. Um one of the things that I really liked in this movie and it's it's I've seen this movie several times and this is the first time I noticed it. And that's at the towards the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. When we first see the the Helen Hunt character, mm-hmm. and he goes into the restaurant, and he's and he's sitting, he's standing right at the waitress station. Yep. Now, I love the way that they react to him. Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's so great. It, it's great. Um, so we've already established like he hated the dog. Yep, and, and then he, he loves has the dog, and he has the weird, uh, he has the weird intricacies of like he's got to lock the door five times. Mm-hmm. He can't step on a he can't step on a crack. He doesn't like touching other humans. Yep. Yeah, he has OCD. Right. But he gets to this restaurant. He's he standing OCD at the, or is he obsessive compulsive? It's uh, that's oh, what OCD right. is. Wow, I'm just wow. Um, I need coffee. So he. Gets, I know what letters mean. <laughs> he gets to the restaurant, and and Helen Hunt comes up behind him and touches him, and he doesn't like jump out of his skin. And it's at the very beginning of this movie. He, she's the only one that he she, that he, he that he that he'll allow. Right. Wow. I didn't notice that. That's a great observation. Yeah. And I like like this is the first time I caught it. I'm like, I really love that. Yeah. Because it kind of sets up who she is to him. Yeah. That's a that's great. I do love the scene in the movie where she's like, "Why can't I have a normal boyfriend?" And he <laughs> and she like walks away, and he walks up the stairs like. Boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like when she just shows up at the uh, when she shows up at his house. Like I will not have sex with you. Yeah. Like man, <laughs> like, if I've ever felt for a character more, my in God, that you, instant, you do. Like if I had a dime for every time I've showed up at a person's house and yelled, "I will not have sex with you," you'd be in jail. I would. <laughs> well, that too. But I would also be filthy rich. <laughs> I, oh, that reminds me. You're going to have to go out the back way today because my neighbors are really uncomfortable with you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, like I said, I really like Cuba Gooding Jr. I, um, I, I Jack, 
Jack. Jack, to me, as great as he is in this movie, mm-hmm. always runs the problem of just playing Jack. You know, I he just always a little bit Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, and that might be because he is, in a big way, Jack Nicholson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How sometimes you just can't get out of your own stardom. And that's, yeah. you know, he's got, it's that same, like, um, Clooney or... Um, you know, pit or yeah. you know something like that kind of you know like you can't get out of your own way, but he's so much more definable, right? That like at the, one of the fa- one of my favorite parts of the film is when when uh, the dog misses him, and so Greg Kinnear's like, "Oh, why don't you come here, you little?" And yeah. he does a Jack Nicholson <laughs> impression. It's hysterical. Yeah, that um, it's so meta, and its impression is. Really good. It really is. It's so good. You know, it was funny. Um, I miss Greg Kinnear in films. Actually. He's still alive. So. I, know, I just haven't seen him in anything for a uh, while. He, he was actually in. He played John F. Kennedy in the Kennedy miniseries. That was <gasps> that was really good. I did not watch that. Him, Katie Holmes. Oh, that's such a good miniseries. Uh, of course, you watched it, Katie Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and going back to the Greg Kinnear character, um, I like Greg Kinnear. But I think he, I think given what he has to do in this movie, he kind of overplays it a little. Like he hams it up a little bit. Um, a little, a little bit. But I, yeah, a, a little bit. But I don't know. I, th- I think I, I don't agree with you when you say there's a characters that don't fit. I'm just yeah, like I can't, I, know, yeah. I can't even bring myself to agree with you yeah. slightly. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I've seen movies where characters do not fit, like they're in a different movie yeah. than everybody else. I don't think any of these movies are that mm. are that movie. I'm not saying they're in a different movie. I'm just saying they don't belong in this movie. Yeah, but you don't even say like the, it's a, like so. Yeah, so you're not even saying like that the like they're acting different than they should be. You know, like right. I've seen characters like think like hamming it up way more than they like. Like so, so, like Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever does not know what movie he's in, right? Yeah, and so like I've seen that, yeah. um, and then I, um, uh, and and then you, but you're saying that like remove the character completely, yeah, and I I don't agree with you. Um, I miss Harold Ramis after watching this movie. Remind me of who that is. He's the doctor. He's the doctor that. Um, He's the husband of the publisher. He's so great. Yeah. I do miss him in things. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. I also like how when Bonnie and uh, Helen Hunt is is discussing like all the like all of her emotions um, to her mother mm-hmm. uh, at night, and she's like, "Is it really bad that you know I was so upset that he was married?" Like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I want to. I think the design, the production design of this movie is great. There's so much attention to detail because there's so much attention. Like Jack Nicholson's character plays so much attention to detail. Right. Like his house, like the way his house is organized and like all the M&Ms and different, different colored M&Ms and different (laughs) jars and the way that his paper is stacked when he's writing and all that. I love that scene where the secretary is like, how do you write women so well? And he's like, I think of a man and I remove reason, reason and accountability. And then he just goes down the elevator. He's such an ass. He's, he's such you know, an I, ass. I, I like that scene, but for, for a different reason, because I like as like he approaches the, the elevator and he hits the button mm-hmm. and he sees her 
and he sees the recognition. Yep. And he just like starts like but pounding away the button. He's like, no. no, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. <laughs> you are this character yes. in a lot of ways. But You're I'm not much, much of an ass. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I have an internal monologue. Yeah, that's very similar to this. Yeah. I um there's that scene I like when he goes to see his own psychi- when he goes to see his own psychiatrist <laughs> and the doctor's like, I'm not doing this right now. And he, there's like a beat, and then you just see his head appear out of the door like what do you mean? <laughs> uh, like, I'm still in your office. Um, where, how can you give someone obsessive compulsive disorder and not and, a, and change your office? And think, it, well, no, it was he was yeah. arguing. He was arguing about him not keeping regular sessions. Yep. Oh, and yeah. he was like, how can you diagnose me with this and think that I have a choice in this matter? Yeah, like that. He's like, well, I've rearranged my office and you didn't notice that. And I grew the hair back on my face, but you didn't notice that either because right. you only care about yourself. Right. What a doctor. Um, Nicholson won and Helen Hunt won. Uh, I agree with Nicholson. Um, I agree with Nicholson. I agree with Helen Hunt. I think she's good in this movie. She's really good. I think she's I, Helen Hunt's um, always really good. I don't remember who, like aside from Kate Winslet, I don't remember who she was nominated. Who against. I don't think should have won. And I understand what you're going to say to that and I have thoughts about that when we get there. Yep. And I love Kate Winslet mm-hmm. as we've talked about like when we go back to the very first episode with the reader. Yeah. Cuz she did win for that. She did, yeah. Yeah. Um I I don't like in comparison just just in terms of like storytelling mm-hmm. and what and what the and what they have to do in the story yeah. and what they have to get across I think Helen Hunt is a little more subtle uh I, I, Helen Hunt is, a, is, a, is she's a little more subtle just because it's the type of movie that it is mm-hmm. um I think if Titanic is, which we'll, we'll go into now but I think if Titanic is a different kind of film right Caitlin's it would have won um I would just like to point out that when you said uh, Helen Hunt does it a little bit more subtly, not only did I disagree with you, but your cat disagreed with you because I saw her shake his head no. Oh, really? Yeah. It was perfect timing. Uh, and he's sitting next to me. He's my, he's my friend. <laughs> I just woke right. him up. Sorry. So Titanic. <laughs> Titanic, also known as the Gigantic or the Colossal or whatever. You know, there were other there were two other ships that were being built along the Titanic. Yeah, it was the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Yeah, that's that's three. So not only did you get the names wrong, but well, you have one three. of them got changed to Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron, edited by James Cameron, edited by James Cameron. He's actually the first director to win in all three categories. Yeah. Um. In the same year. Uh, except for the or the first one in like a long time or something yeah. like that. This is also in a three way tie um, for the most Oscars in a, with, for a movie with Return of the King with eleven. Yeah, with Return of the King and Ben Hur and Ben Hur and tied for most nominated between All About Eve, which did it with one category less available to it. Wow, uh, Titanic and La La Land. Really? Yeah. 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 Really, La La Land. Yeah, and I mean, I like I said, I like that movie. It's not the, it's not, but it didn't win all of them. It didn't actually win. They tried to. It won the ones that I think it deserved. They like tried to steal somebody else's award. Like that. Yeah. Anyway, we're not getting into La La Land just yet. Um, Titanic is starring. Didn't even get that far yet. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, Billy Zane, Kathy Bates. 
I could keep going. David Warner. Um, <laughs> who else do I have to say? This movie. Bill Paxton. Yeah, this movie has everything. This movie has. This movie has love. This movie has drama. This movie has action. It has music. It has a superhero. It has a supervillain. This movie has everything. Um, Mr. Um, Fantastic and Ra's al Ghul. Um, David Warner, right? He's also in. He's all. Um, well, when you said superhero, it has Victor Garber, who is one half. Oh, of, he's right. one half of Firestorm. And I mean, it also has the Phantom. And you meant the Phantom yeah. with Billy Zane. So it's got three yep. superheroes and um, one supervillain. Um, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to think of something else. So um, David Warner played. Um, David Warner played Rachel Ghoul in Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Um, he also played the doctor in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Back yes. from the Ooze yeah. from CCRI. Uh, he was also um, – David Warner was also Bob Cratchit in George C. Scott's Christmas Carol. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is kind of old. Yeah. It's not old. But I mean, he's probably in his yeah, but 50s I think in this movie. Yeah. I think he's in his 70s or 80s yeah. now. Uh, not the point. Uh, the point is this, this movie spellbound the world because – James Cameron pitched this movie to executives on one sentence, and they approved it. And it was I'm Romeo. James Cameron. I'm James Cameron. They're like sold. <laughs> also, what's the movie about? <laughs> uh, How much is this movie? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, the no, the um, it, it was pitched by he said Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. Ah, uh, and that's it. I was that's really hoping for Romeo pitch. and Juliet in space. I'm sure that'll come one day. Um, and it's funny because I was I was looking up IMDb today because I wanted to I wanted to fact check a couple of like the Academy Award stuff, and the the um, the story synopsis on IMDb is this 17 year old girl. I'm like, really? She's 17. She's supposed to be 17. She's supposed to be 17. How old is Billy Zane supposed to be then? Uh, older. Yeah. But again, this is around that period of time where that's still kind of common. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, But as soon as I saw that 17-year-old, I was like, so this is Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Um, So... That makes sense because because if she's 17, she's supposed to... Yeah, because she's 100. The old Rose is 100. And this movie came out in 1997. She's 100. Fun fact. Yeah, Gloria Stewart died when she was a hundred. I know she was playing. She had old age makeup on. Yeah, she, in her eighties, yeah. she had old age makeup on. Um, so she apparently did not like it either. Yeah. So the character in this movie that I think you should you can easily take out. No, I'm going to say it. Okay, I think it's Kathy Bates. I think no. it's the unsinkable Molly Brown. No, no. Uh, it's okay. Uh, his friend Fabricio. Oh, that would be good. Okay. Um, um, the guy with the beard who does the simulation. <laughs> um, or, I like that guy. Yeah, I do too. But I'm just, yeah. <laughs> She's a really old goddamn liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for that uh, forensic assessment. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bodie, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm wrong in all those. Okay. So, well, it's. It's not. Oh, it has Bernard. Um, this movie has Bernard Shaw. No, I can't be right. I'm pretty sure that was a writer. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. The captain. Oh, I love uh, the captain. Plays King Theoden in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And funny, they originally offered the captain role to Robert De Niro. 
I know, and he was sick, yeah, or he was having surgery or something like that, which is that. good because I, I, it would have pulled see, me out, yeah, it would have pulled me right yeah. out, yeah. Um, because there's some actors you re- character actors you recognize and go, oh, it's you, yeah, and then you go, oh, it's like just, David it's, Warner, like David Warner. Um, and I get excited every time Damon Ward is on screen, yeah, and, he, and but I, but he's still a character, yeah. So who wait? So who do you think should be in this movie? The boat, yeah. Like oh, I, I think you can take the boat out. I think you take the boat out. They're just <laughs> they're like in Wonder Woman's Invisible Jet, just slightly yeah. moving across the. No, Atlantic. Um, actually, it was funny. Like every time I watch this movie, and every time I think of this movie, uh, in Leo my doesn't head, belong. you just wanted to get with Billy Zane. No, <laughs> just... um, in my head, Maggie Smith is her mother, and I'm always kind of disappointed when it turns out not to be oh, Maggie. It's Smith. not Maggie Smith. No, yeah, I really wish that was Maggie Smith. No, but you don't think. Her mother belongs in this movie. Oh yeah, no, her mother. Be- oh, I don't okay. actually have a character oh, in this God. one. So <laughs> this whole was, time, yeah, no, it was really just a long setup joke for the boat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just kept naming characters. Yeah. It was my you, own. You fault. lengthened it out. So uh, this movie sits at about three hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I know. I had um, to. I, did you, what, what was your reaction when you had to change the VHS tape? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching on Laserdisc. So oh, good. I, was, I had to change it several times. Uh, I I made the stupid mistake of rewinding it before going to the next part, and I just ruined the whole flow of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have waited um, that three minutes it took. But this is like it's odd because like the the standard the standard thing is like you can't make. Although nowadays it's a little bit more common. But back then you couldn't make three-hour movies and have them be successful. No. This movie, fair. like, proved that wrong. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and this is a movie that's three hours that – I like, this is, like, the second or third time I've rewatched it. Never feels three hours. Um, I Sometimes it does to me and sometimes it doesn't. And that might be because I've seen it so many times. Like, mm-hmm. I could probably do it backwards yeah. at this point. And – I don't. I like this movie a lot. I don't love this movie because you're heartless. No, it actually has nothing to do with the love story or anything like that. Um, because it's the Romeo and Juliet problem. Like, if you don't believe that these two idiots are, these children are in love with one another, the whole thing falls apart. Right. Um, I think, or at least they think they are. You know, or whatever. Um, they. Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio are comp- very accomplished actors. Mm-hmm. I think they get it across. I think they're very young in this. They're very young in this. He's film. very young looking. She doesn't look as young. It's the clothes. I think um, part of it is the part of it is the clothes. But um, I think they they get it across. But I find the James Cameron's dialogue sometimes with them kind of um, it, it doesn't flow. Naturally, okay. Um, which I know you love, uh, but I like. So I find that some of their delivery, like it seems, sometimes it's just them, but their delivery is odd. Like, and I, I, I just can't like get over that hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why that's why I say Helen Hunt is a little more subtle and and should have won. That's yeah. why I think that it's just like sometimes the. The delivery of Kate Winslet's lines are like, or uh, I don't know if I would have done it that way. I would have. Yeah, I know you would have. She should have won. Yeah. She's good. She's great. She's good. I thought she was a redhead for the longest time. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, I know. No. Uh, no and I thought, and I thought Billy Zane's eyes he underneath wore, them were naturally that black. Oh, he's so he's wearing so much eyeliner. <laughs> so he's wearing more eyeliner in this movie than he wore when he was in the Phantom. Yeah, when he actually had black all around yeah. under the mask. Um, but I love Billy. This Zane. movie does a really good job at 
blending this fictional story agreed into this lie this real life event and not only this real life event but real life characters that were on there like mm-hmm. the unsinkable molly brown right well even a lot of like some of the when it gets to the sinking of the ship some of the things that some of the characters say to one another like yep. this is this boat's for mummies and uh, mummies and mummies and daughters daddy's going to take the next one is right. like that stuff that like that's a that's a real line from somebody right. that said that to their daughter before um, he died. Yeah, you know? the two, the couple on the bed, the couple on the bed is were the owners of Macy's. Yep, yep. I knew um, that. And she had the ability to, to go into a lifeboat, but um, she had said she wasn't. We live together, so we'll die together. Yep. Um, that line is kind of given to Rose, where she says, "Where you know, I go where you go." Yeah. Um, but obviously the, the architect of the Titanic, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 not the, who's the other guy, the designer, the designer of the Titanic, Mr. Ismay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, all these real people. Um, I really like Victor Garber in this movie. He's great. He's, he's awesome. He's great in everything. Um, you know, him just kind of standing there as. As this ship is sinking, it's so sad. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of like it's it's almost like the captain going down with the ship. He's like, "I built this ship. I could easily probably get to a lifeboat. Yep, but I'm going down with this ship. Yeah, like Ismay is like, I'm out. Yeah, Ismay is the the one that he was he was like pretty scorned the rest of his life because of that because people knew that he yeah he hopped ship um because like almost no men made it out so the fact so like really yeah so it's like people people knew what he did afterwards yeah. so he was pretty shunned for the rest of his life shame Ding-ding. shame Ding-ding. Ding-ding. <laughs> um um he was he's good in this movie too i can't remember his name I've seen him in a bunch of... This ship can't sink. <laughs> I assure you, she, she can. She's made of iron, sir. She, she can. can. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the one thing that I that surprised me to no end going back and rewatching this movie some 20 Body years later... told you the... Oh, sorry. Uh, some 20 years later is this movie does not get dated... No, not really. Those special effects look as good now um, as they do. As actually, they did then. not true. There are some. Most of them are still great. There are. There were only two spots. There were two spots where I went nineties. One of them was when the ship first sails out of the harbor, and there's a. It's a low. It's a low shot to see. You see the little. The dolphin, the little no. You see the little um, like sailboat for a size comparison, and you see like the waves kind of like rush over it a little bit. It's okay. just when it's leaving the harbor. Yeah, the water doesn't look right. It's not. It's not quite. The ship looks great, mm-hmm. and like both the but it the water doesn't look quite. Which is weird because right. that's real water. It's not. <laughs> um, and the not for that particular shot. And the other one, when when the boat is totally vertical before it goes down, when they're on top of the rails, mm-hmm. not Jack. It wasn't when Jack and Rose were on top of some other person. It was so visibly green screen, like it. It was like it was like black outline around people green screen. 
You know what I um, you know what I mean? Like when yeah. you're watching Return of the Jedi, it's okay. the Rancor versus Luke Skywalker. It's like that. Um, those were really the only two scenes in a three hour movie. I agree. I the rest, of, but those are the. But I'm saying the right. Um, so I don't think it's completely flawless, but most of the stuff that you would assume we would even do as um, we would do as CG today mm-hmm. was, was done practically. Was done practically. Yeah. Like when water like floods this, the stairway, yeah, like that's took, real water. This movie took forever to come out. Uh, yeah, for good reason. Um, if I remember. It was the, super over I, budget, I too. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I remember uh, correctly, the IMDb said um, this started in like, ni- like 95. Yeah, well, James Cameron um, when he when he filmed like the dive down because he did a documentary about the dive, which cro- which prompted him to then make the film. Uh, the documentary came out after, right? But it's but he started the documentary before, right. um, and it was funny because um, I remember like years before this movie came out, so like a, maybe two years before this mm-hmm. movie came out, um, I remember going to a Star Trek convention, and during one of the panels. They actually showed this. They showed this the the hallway scene mm-hmm. where the water's crashing in and Rose and Jack are running with the kid in their arms. Mm-hmm. Like they showed that scene, and that was like two years before the movie came out. Wow! Like I had forgotten about it until I saw the movie. I'm like, oh, that's what this movie is. Uh, yeah. yeah, Titanic. You say? Um, I I like the writing. I don't find the problem with the writing like you do. It's not all of it. No, I know. It's, I just, it's it's like their their love stuff is what feels a little jilt. It it doesn't it doesn't. It's got that. It, you're not going to agree with me. Nope. But I'm going to say it. It's it's not as bad, or in your opinion, as good. But it's got like that George Lucas, Anakin, and Padme kind of quality oh, to I it. I love that so much. I know, but it's not. It's oh. not real. Happiness is. Happiness is Anakin Padme dialogue in a warm blanket. Oh my god, it's so weird. Um, the but like to, it has that kind of stilted quality to it. I don't think the rest of the dialogue does. I don't think this. I don't think the stuff like the modern day stuff with um, w- with Bill Paxton does, and I don't think like the Billy Zane's or the family obligation stuff or the yeah. warring classes, the, the boat. All of that is fine. It's just some of, not even all of it, just some of their love stuff doesn't feel. Yeah. It just like, it has a weird vibe to it. I would say that this um, is easily the greatest love story of all time. Because it's Romeo and Juliet. Uh, well, I mean, it's a little different. It's the the girl survives. It's almost not different it's at all. It's half Romeo and Juliet. Actually, you know the door that she survived on was a real piece of wreckage? Not the one in the film, but it, the one she. The one she survived on, they recreated for the film because somebody else survived yeah. on a door like that. And I hate to break it to everybody listening, Jack could not fit on that door. The door would sink. Right. Right. It has nothing to do with him having room on it. It's the weight. It's the 300 pounds that the right. door would not be able to. I don't understand why this is a problem and people are still talking about yeah. it. It's very simple physics. I think it's because she says, you know... I love you. I'll never let go. And then, like two seconds later, she's like hitting him with an oar. Like, all right, like, you're dead. Get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> well, she doesn't let go. Technically, yeah. they're still holding hands when um, he's dead. It's fine. Billy Zane is just a. Oh, 
is such an evil person. You want to slap movie. him so bad. I do. Actually, you know that scene where he flips the table? Yeah, it that, was, was ad libbed. Ad libbed. Yeah. So her reaction is like, yeah. oh. <laughs> like Billy, what are you doing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh, Billy. <laughs> um, that and the when she spits on him is also. Yeah. He did not know that was coming. She, she was supposed <laughs> to slap him or something, and she spit in his face yeah. instead. Uh, yeah, it's, he's great. Yeah, I think Kathy Bates. It's actually, I think Kathy Bates should have been nominated. Personally, she's not. I don't know, maybe she's not in it enough. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Is like she ends up being like the character. Like if she's if she's nominated and say she wins, it's that same problem that we have um, with with uh, who who won Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger. Like she's just not enough. She's not in the movie enough. She doesn't. She affects the movie somewhat. Yeah, well, I don't think. I mean, he's she. She's the reason he looks so good going down to dinner, which uh, then prompts no. a lot of series of events. He looks so good because he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, she's he's the reason. She's the reason that he's wearing a tux. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks even better than he right. would. Um. Uh. So it, actually, in that scene where you know, like he leans, he leans to where he goes, like, "Which one do I use?" You know, start from the outside <laughs> yeah, and work your way in. in. They feel wrong. It's uh actually it's right. Um, but um, etiquette lesson that is correct. <laughs> but um, that scene took so long to film because you have to do a lot of coverage because people at a table you have to get reactions from everybody yeah. for everything that you're saying. Yeah. So it just takes a long time. So Rather than just having like 37 cameras filming everybody. Right. Because, well, the cameras would be seen by other cameras. <laughs> so, um, so at the end of the, at the end of the day, he leaned into her and he said, which one do I use? Um, which one do I use to gouge my eyes out? <laughs> uh, uh, good stuff. <laughs> um, the uh, like we said, the special effects still look superb. The the practical effects I really love. I think the I think it's the attention to detail. Oh I think, yeah, like I think down to everything. It, literally everything. What some things are a little bigger in the like the staircase is bigger <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. in the movie than in the in the um than in real life because people are taller now, right? And so they would they were like people would look pretty silly coming down a small staircase, um, and so. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of this for you to tweet out on the thing. <laughs> and um, so, like, it's... Look at me, Kitty. I can see oh, why I can see why this movie had such hoopla around it when it came out. Um, and why it won so many of the technical awards that year. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also see why it didn't win any of the... I also see why it didn't win any of the... Um, um, acting awards That's because it it it's like in some ways it was so perfect um it's almost unfair you know just to sweep like, the whole yeah, thing yeah but 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 nobody it's the, it's one of those films where nobody's better than the sum of their parts you okay. know what i mean and so like i don't think billy zane is any better than I think Victor is. Garber is any better than David Warner is any better than Leo DiCaprio or Kate Winslet. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think they're all good together cohesively. Yeah. Um, the only one that I would actually say maybe is, but she's not in the same scenes as them, is um, oh, whoever plays old 
old oh, Rose. Oh, Gloria Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Who was nominated. She was. She should have won. Oldest oldest person to ever be nominated, I think. Mm, um, pretty I sure. Think so. Pretty sure, actually. Um, well, but Mel Streep will get there soon. I I probably would have I probably would have given it to her over Basinger. Absolutely. Um, that being said, uh, is there really anything else to? I mean, so she, she, like it's assumed because of the way the ending shot, she dies. She yeah, got, I think you know, she, she dies. drops. She she drops the heart of the ocean in the ocean. Oh, do you remember that commercial, like the where she turn, like she drops it in the ocean, and then she goes, "Whoops!" And then she goes in after it and yeah. cashes it, and just walking yeah. out all wet with the cash. Yeah, that's how this movie should have ended. Um, and then she dies in her bed on the ship in yes, the middle that, of the Atlantic. That's kind right. of like she was meant to. That's right. And I, I just that oh, end shot. Good. Yeah, that end shot of the ethereal version of "My Heart Will Go On." Oh, the music—we haven't talked about the music yet. Oh, I mean, the, it's James Newton Howard, or James Howard Newton. It's James Horner. Uh, James Kitty, quick! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get him. Everything like before. <laughs> get him. Yeah, it's James. It's James Horner. Uh, James Horner's. Here's. I really like the music of this. There's the there's the Titanic theme, not yep. my heart will go on, but the Titanic theme. Yep. And then there's the 37 different versions of my heart will go on. Agreed. Which James Cameron didn't want. Did you know this? James Cameron didn't want an end credits song or anything right. like that. And so James Horner recorded it with Celine Dion yeah. in secret. And she was like, yeah, whatever. I don't really want to do it. I don't really care, but whatever. Let's do this. <laughs> they recorded the demo. He loved it so much. That's the version we have nice. is just the demo yeah, of her. I remember doing that. It. Like it was yeah. a one, it was a one take thing. Yeah. Um, um, but he like secretly had to like, yeah, to do this. But like the, the angelic ethereal. Well, uh, my next fun fact about this is that uh, um, James Cameron originally wanted Enya to score the film. Ooh, and, so, nice. and so he had actually cut a lot of the film to different Enya scores. Yeah. Um, so ha James Cameron never telling James Horner this. James Horner goes off to do the music. Yeah came back with the score that he has yeah and he was like i was influenced by enya i think this is a, i think this is what's gonna fit and if you listen to it 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 sounds like it it sounds it like does. it sounds a yeah, lot like, a, lot a lot of high of, flutes yeah uh, that a the, again that ethereal kind of that angelic sounding. kind of vocalization mm -hmm. yeah that's it they were they thought the same thing without ever talking yeah. to one another about uh, it. um it didn't pay enya a dime <laughs> Poor Enya. It's fine. She was in that horrible Lord of the Rings movie anyway. So she wasn't in it. She did a song well, did for story. it. So, um, so you have that. You have that ethereal version of "My Heart Will Go On" at the mm -hmm. end, with where it's going through the ship, kind of like at the beginning, yep. where you have like the ship, the real life version of the ship, and then they transition into before the wreck, right. They kind of do the same thing. Yeah, they go through and the they, old one, going into yeah, the they the go dream through the heaven version. Yep yeah, the the ballroom where all of the where all of the people mm -hmm. who who died are there waiting for her because she's the last victim of Titanic, her broken heart. Do you uh, do you think Billy Zane was in that crowd? Probably not. Think her mom was in that crowd? 
I thought you see her mom. Is it just all the people that died? Like, so if any, so I like her mom survived. That, so it's just I think it's who all died. the people that died on the because you see Mr. Andrews, and, right? Yeah. You see, yeah, because you don't see Ismay. You see Andrews. You see... I don't know if you see the captain or not. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. He's probably steering Well, ship. she didn't know him, so... Right. I mean, she must have known all these other people. Yeah. It'd be great if it was just Mr. Andrews and Jack. <laughs> he's like, uh, Mr. Andrews, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> uh, uh, Jack, this is kind of awkward. Yeah. Uh, Jack, I'm, uh, Victor Gar- I like Victor Garber more than you. <laughs> Please go over there. Uh, but it's such, it's such a sweet ending. Um and without fail, no matter how many times I watch this movie, almost on cue, I start crying when they play Nearer My God to Thee. When uh, the band plays Nearer yeah. My God to Thee. That's that's a very powerful that's a very powerful yeah. scene. I, I I like that they're all the music like they're doing. I like all the music that they're doing is like it's it, peppy. It, it's peppy music. They're like, let's keep people cheery while we die. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't um, work. Nobody was listening. It's well, like, I mean, well no one listens to us think, during dinner either. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't think the ship was sinkable. Yeah, like, I that's know. even like the even the uh band, but when the band realized it, they played supposedly yeah. they played near my god yeah. to the on the deck uh-huh. while the ship was sinking. I do also like how you hear the actual um the actual song earlier when they're at the chapel yes uh, for those in peril on, yeah, for which, those in peril yeah. on the sea you know being being from a whaling town it's a song that that has a lot of meaning when whenever there were ships lost that was mm-hmm. kind of like the yep that was the song so you know it's a very it's a very this? foreshadowing what's this song. you being proud of the town that you're from What's no, this? I'm just What's saying this, this magic in the air. <laughs> um, no, no, we killed we killed lots of whales. Yeah. Poor Willie. <laughs> Poor, we, we didn't kill Willie. We might have. Yeah, yours me, Scanner. <laughs> yeah, yours me. So, um, like the the music fits so well in this in this movie. The acting, the it this mo- this year was very tough to figure out a winner. I think I think Titanic win. Um, I think Titanic wins for the Academy because of the scope of the film. Yeah. You know, whereas like something like the attention to detail and things like that are all also paid attention to in say LA confidential. Right. Or, or even in goodwill hunting. Yeah. But I think it's the scope of the detail. Yeah. And that's, that's and where this they... was a phenomenon, a phenomenon. Right. Yeah, like, I agree. Like if you had the same type of thing happen today, and it doesn't win Best Picture? I don't know. Because this was not only critically acclaimed, it was beloved by almost everyone who saw it. Across the world. Yeah. yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, well, I think it's obvious, but we'll say the winner goes to... The Full Monty. The, the Titanic. Yeah, it goes to the, 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 the one with the, one with the boat. I, so going into this year... I kind of figured Titanic was going to be it. Because I've seen most of these movies, except Full Monty. Yep. And I was like, I love Titanic. I, I think it's a, such a perfect movie. But I, I went into this. I'm like, I have to figure out a movie. I have to pick a movie that's not Titanic to win. And I, going back, I just can't do it. I, there's a big part of me that says give it to Goodwill Hunting because I think that that film is a perfectly executed film. Yep. But I, like I said, for the Academy, the scope yeah. of – like as as much as I like as much as I like Goodwill Hunting, it's all about the script and the acting. 
Yeah. And in some ways, the attention to detail, you know, because it wasn't filmed in Boston. Only bits of it were. Most of it was filmed in Toronto. Are you sure? Positive. I think the exteriors are all shot in Boston. Um, and the park. And, yeah, and because then, there there's plenty of times that I'm sitting there going, I like I know that place. I've seen that. Place. Yeah, most of it is filmed in Toronto. Huh. I know. Really, I think I think you're right that the exteriors are yeah Boston. And I forgot exactly like what exterior. Oh, um, where they're where they're at the cafe on the yes, sidewalk, and you have yeah yeah, and you have Harvard in the background. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure like that's, that's yeah like that's Harvard Square. Yeah, most of it is yeah, but like the the internal stuff, like the inside stuff, right? Um, that's all Toronto. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But I think I think the sheer production of Titanic, kind of like Ben Hur. Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. Even if you don't, even if you don't care for the story of those films, or like you have to appreciate the amount of detail that went yeah. into making everything. So when we say best picture, it's the sum of the parts. It's the it's it's yeah. all those categories working together, and and Titanic has all of those categories yeah. in conjunction. So even if I say like, I think love the di- the love dialogue. If that could have been tighter, it doesn't. It's okay. You know, uh, yeah, I think this movie should have won two more Oscars than it did, uh, in both acting. Um, no, but you're right. Attention to detail in this movie is fantastic. Like they literally built the ship and sunk it again. Right. Like that's how much attention to detail James Cameron had for this movie. Right. And and just like the like it, just the 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 sets, the costumes, yeah, uh, like. Every single bit of it is is correct yep. or as correct as it can be for a film. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you can create something like that without creative license, you know, like without a flair, like I got to make it my own. But like, yeah. y- you make a real historical piece with a fictional like component. Of yeah. Because they've tried it since then. Oh and yeah, per, um, Pearl Harbor is a good example of that. And you like Pearl Harbor, I really I know. do. But Pearl Harbor is a great example yeah, of like it, we it tr- we tried work. it and it didn't yeah. work. Um, and there's something about Mary. Something about Mary, but also, but I, there's something. James Cameron is a master filmmaker. You know, despite what you might think of one movie over another movie or his opinions about some things or whatever, he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, and so. There's a reason why it takes him like a decade in between movies. Right. Well. And so I think trying to rush that process along with somebody who might not be as good of a filmmaker, and that's that's where they're failing. Are you trying to say that Michael Bay is not as good of a filmmaker? That's exactly what I'm saying. Only because it's James Cameron will I agree with you, but I do love Michael Bay. I know you do. And with that, I think they are... Um, ready to stop hearing us talk because it's been a long episode. So um, you can it find was a us. Titanic size. You episode. can find us at. It was a Titanic size episode. You can find us at Academy Rewind on Twitter and Gmail. Feel free to write in or tweet at us. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us on all other places like Stitcher and Satchel and Overcast. Um, and Google Play. You are also more than welcome to go to thoughtbubbleaudio.com and check out all other Thought Bubble Audio shows under the, uh, under the Thought Bubble Audio banner. Uh, you can also head over to the Thought Bubble Audio Patreon page and get exclusives uh, to all of our shows by donating just even a dollar a month. And that is that, my friend. I think they're playing us off. No, I have some really more people to thank. Too bad. Bye. Bye.
Okay, so if you still happen to be listening, that was Palmer and Tim talking about the 1998 Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. If you like all Thought Bubble Audio shows, you can head over to ThoughtBubbleAudio.com and check them out over there, or to Patreon to support us, slash ThoughtBubbleAudio. You can also check out Academy Rewind at Academy Rewind on Twitter or on Gmail. You can check out Beer with Geeks at Twitter at Beer with Geeks at Gmail and Facebook Beer with Geeks. So you can also go over and rate and review us on iTunes and find us all other places podcasts can be found. Don't forget to download Academy Rewind's latest season, The Seven Decade, starting on July 1st. Thanks very much for listening. Catch you next time.